Brian Winhurst and the Hoop Collective is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA 23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Friday. I'm sorry. Sunday evening. No idea what day it is. I just got a text about something on Friday. Uh, that's why I said Friday. I'm not losing my mind. I think there's a certain trade that's going to go down on Friday. Anyway, I had this whole podcast all set up with um, different people. You know, we oh. talk about the draft. We're going to have uh, uh, Jeremy Wu, our new ESPN draft uh, analyst uh, reporter, was going to be on. He was all excited. We're going to do some to our audience. And Kirk Goldsberry was going to be on. We we're going to talk about draft strategy. And I wasn't going to have to listen to Tim Bontemps joining us from New York City. I was going to say happy Father's Day to you and McMahon, but not only is McMahon insulting me and before the pod starts, now you're insulting me after it starts. So we're just off and, and running today. And I wasn't going to talk to Ben McMahon in Dallas, Texas. Howdy, partners. I did not insult you. You asked how your picture looked, and I said, fine, except your face is still in it. That was just a simple fact. It's not an insult. I should be nicer to you since I delayed this podcast by over an hour. So, sorry about that. Some guy you've never heard of play golf. I was working. Allegedly. I was working. Anyway, we had a minor NBA trade on Sunday. Um, The Suns have agreed in principle to send Bradley Beal, uh, to acquire Bradley Beal for Bradley Beal for... Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, and I think six second round picks. All of the draft of stuff, all the draft picks that Phoenix didn't have nailed down. Six seconds mm-hmm. and two pick swaps seems to That's be what not the trade quite is. Quite true. I think that the Suns are keeping their second round pick in this draft, which is the 50 mm. second pick. And they need a starter out of that. All right, <laughs> that so five, guy- yeah. So five seconds then. My my apologies. Five seconds. Um that guy, uh, should be feel feel very fortunate, feel very blessed that he is, uh, didn't get traded yet. Um, so this is obviously a pretty remarkable trade on a number of fronts. Um, it's specifically remarkable for a what Brad Beal went for here, which yeah. was a player in Chris Paul who I don't think will play with the Wizards, mm-hmm. um, and Landry Shamit who may or may not play with the Wizards but is a backup player. And right. a bunch of second round picks um, for a guy who's been a three time all stars on a max contract. Um, Supermax. Supermax. You're right. Which is part of the problem, as you so eloquently pointed out, along with this no trade clause. And Wendy, like you told people, you told people, you know, before this even heated up. Yeah, we talked about it on Friday. Basically, listen, don't be surprised that there's not going to be much of a return for Bradley Beal given the contract and especially the no trade clause, the control that he had. And so it's, it is a very underwhelming return, but it is a reset for the Washington Wizards. They will indirectly very likely get a high lottery pick out of this because they're obviously going into a full-blown rebuild, which we all think is the right thing for this to do and is overdue for the franchise. Um, but it's funny because the Suns, it's it's not like they gave up much to get him, but I do feel like they're getting a lot of criticism for this deal, or at least a lot of skepticism. What do you think yeah, that I mean, skepticism is? Well, I would say it's because Bradley Beal arguably has the worst contract in the league from an asset standpoint. 
And that's another reason on top of the no trade clause, as you guys both have pointed out, why this was never going to be a huge return. I actually think Washington did really well in this trade, frankly. They completely get out of $200 million going forward. They can maybe turn Chris Paul into something else. And yes, they got a bunch of seconds, but that's currency you can do stuff with. And they got a couple pick swaps. Like, I mean, I don't think there was really a world where they were going to do better than that. They didn't have to take out any kind of long-term money. They didn't have to step down in deals down the road. They basically have no money on their books now going forward. So Michael Winger and Will Dawkins and Travis Schlenk, this whole new rebuilt front office, Mm -hmm. basically has a blank slate to do whatever they want, starting with whatever they do potentially do with Chris Paul. And I think the other skepticism about this deal for me, we talked for months about how Phoenix had no depth, had no defense, was basically a couple guys and then filler, right? Now they've quadrupled down on that. And added a guy in Bradley Beal, who is a really talented player, a guy who's had huge moments in the playoffs, really, really good player, fun player to watch. He also does all the same stuff that Devin Booker and Kevin Durant does, but just not as well. And now you're looking at a team with literally no picks to trade at all going forward. A guy in DeAndre Ayton who, you know, they probably need to try to break up into smaller pieces in the Mm -hmm. next year, or they're not going to be able to. And looking at a just a truly staggering tax and payroll bill down the road on top of the fact that they don't have any of the team building tools, uh, access to them that teams have had in the past when they've been in this kind of salary situation. So it just feels like we're looking at a repeat of 10 years ago when Mikhail Prokhorov bought the nets and came in and they came to Brooklyn and they went and got Joe Johnson. And then they went and got Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and they spent insane amounts of money and kept throwing things that problems trying to fix it. And a couple years in the whole thing just turned into a giant quagmire. And maybe these guys will all be on the court and maybe they'll all play great. And maybe they'll win the title. But I think the, if you're looking at the probability outcomes here, I think the vast majority of them are that this thing just doesn't end up looking nearly as good as people think. Well, I think that this team would unquestionably be the clear-cut title favorite if they were playing in the big three, but they're playing (laughs) in the NBA. You need more than four guys on your freaking roster, and they basically have handcuffed, and and there's already going to be challenging, but they've really handcuffed themselves into these three guys. They have what seems to be an underwhelming market for DeAndre Ayton, that they they need to be able to break Aiton into uh, a couple of role players. But, you know, when I was in Phoenix during the second round, I was talking to somebody in that front office, and, you know, his point was, listen, we don't need to go star hunting this summer. Like, he he said, we've got the usage. Like, we've got the, the you know, the two guys are going to have sky-high usage rate. We don't need to add another high-usage player. What, what we need to do is fill out the – the rotation with quality role players, you know, with guys who are solid defenders who can space the floor, you know, do, do that sort of thing, which I agreed with. And then they make a trade. That's the exact opposite. Now, if you want to kind of look at this through the sun's perspective, you can say, okay, all that's fine and dandy, but they, this trade, you can argue does take pressure or at least workload off of KD and Devin Booker, which you know, the high usage playing 44, Mm -hmm. 45 minutes per game in the playoffs, like you can get that down to 
still superstar level, but not just ridiculously uh, taxing workloads. And then you basically say, look, that team that was out on the floor for the last four plus games in the Western Conference semifinals that, that lost to the Nuggets, essentially what you've done is you've traded Landry Shamit for Bradley Beal because Chris Paul was was not on the floor for those games. He was out hurt, which unfortunately wasn't a huge shock. And so like that's the spin from a Suns perspective. And there's no doubt they added a you know big time talent. But I do think like if you don't have defense in depth, you're obviously the gap between the Suns and the Nuggets was big. It took two historically prolific efficient Devin Booker performances for them to win any games in that series. They got smoked by 79,000 points on their home floor in game six. I don't think this closes the gap. And then they just don't have uh, real ammunition to to, try to close that gap. I'm going to tell you what the Suns were thinking. And as Dollar Bill used to say in Billions, I am not uncertain. And um, (laughs) you can... You can... uh, you can disagree with their, their philosophy, mm-hmm. but don't aim it at me. I'm not going to defend it. Okay. Right. The Sun's viewpoint was that, yes, ideally they would have added a couple of role players, but mm-hmm. number one, there weren't a ton of role players that were really a, a great fit. Number one, number two, if you look at the rules in the second apron, basically, you know, the first apron has been around for five, well, six years. And so, the way that used to be is if you use the full mid level, you were dancing around whether you could hit, because once you use the full mid level, you were hard capped. And, you know, we would see these teams who use the full mid level who were like signing 10 day guys and then waving them and like playing around trying to get through the season under the, the hard cap. Mm-hmm. What the second apron does is it made the taxpayer mid level, the same thing. If you use the taxpayer mid level, now you're doing the same thing. You're dancing around, because you're not allowed to exceed the, the second apron. And so what the Suns were afraid of is, number one, they didn't like the number of role. They didn't like their role player options anyway. They weren't sure they were right. going to be able to win some of the bidding wars. And secondly, it, dancing around with a hard cap, that's hard. Like that, that mm. that's really difficult. Nobody likes to do that. So they were like, look, if you're going to breach the second apron, blow past it. Because under the new rules, once you blow past the second apron, you can't sign anybody to mid-levels anyway, okay? And if you make a trade, you can't take three players and trade it for one. You can only trade one player for one player. Right. So if you have a bunch of guys on minimum contracts and you're, at, you know, you're 50, 50 cents into the second apron, you know, you're, all you can trade is minimum contracts. So go big or go home. Now, you can say to me that's insane, that going deep into the second apron is exactly what you don't want, that it messes with your future draft picks, that it messes with your trades, that it messes with your signings. All that's true. I'm just telling you that their viewpoint is blasting into the second apron because because guys, they're not done, they're not done working here. I think they're gonna retry, they're gonna try to re-sign the majority of their free agents. I'm they talking about to. Tory Craig, I'm talking about um Josh Akoji, I'm talking about Bismack Biombo, I'm talking about Jock Landale, and mm-hmm. I don't think they're gonna be signing them to minimums. I think they're going to be signing them to more. I think they're going to keep spending. They've even got a $5 million trade exception. I think they're going to try to use it. Now, I don't know what they're going to send out for it because they've given all their second picks. They may not be able to use it. I think they're going to try to use it. 
because I think that they're saying we're going to go as far into the second apron as we can so that, so that at least we have some options up there. And yeah, it's going to cost a lot of money, but let me just say this. They're not in the repeater tax, unlike the Warriors, unlike the Nets. So yeah, it's going to cost them a lot, but they're only paying the, the front tax. They're not going to pay the repeater um, uh, because they haven't paid the tax. Because Robert Sarver, they haven't paid the tax. Now, I'm not defending that position. I'm just telling you that's one the, good that's thing Robert Sarver did for him. <laughs> and the thing about it is, like, look, at the end of the day, they traded Chris Paul, who they were thinking about waving. Right. Probably, I, I mean, I every time I said, I'm pretty sure I said on TV and, and radio and, and podcasts, don't assume they're going to trade, they're going to waive Chris Paul. I think I said that about eight times in the last week because they yeah. were hoping for something like this to happen. Um, but they were going to waive Chris Paul and they were going to try to sign guys to exceptions. They, so they're, tra- they're they get a guy they were going to waive and they, and Landry Shamit, who was a Monty Williams favorite. I don't even know where he would have fit in for Frank Vogel. I mean, he would have played, but. I don't know where it would have fit in. Because somebody has to. Right. And so, and they turn that into Brad, Bradley Beal. Now, you can say that Bradley Beal's contract is ridiculous. And the other thing is, Brad, according to Woj, did not uh, dissolve his no trade clause. He carried it over, which I would too if I were him. Of course. So that's an issue. Um, but that's without, they were like out of the paths to choose. That was the one that they liked the best. And it may not work. I'm just telling you, you know, that's their viewpoint. The other yeah, thing that's I'll why say, that's why this ahead. is that's why this is the Nets from 10 years ago. This is exactly what the Nets did. It's the same, it's the same the other thing. thing I'm gonna say, the other thing I'm gonna say is in the playoffs, as you know, McMahon, they played Devin Booker as their primary ball handler. And Booker was absolutely awesome. Yep. He averaged 34 points. I think he led all the, I think he led the playoffs in scoring. I know it was only two rounds, but points per game, yeah. Yeah. Um he averaged seven assists, shot 59%, something like that. Um, he was awesome. Now, I'm not saying you wanted to be your primary ball handler for 70% of 82 games, but going forward, he will be their point guard, I think, in the playoffs. And so you look at uh, mm-hmm. Durant, uh, Beal, and Booker, and you say you have plenty of ball handling there. You don't, because I see people saying, well, who's going to be their point guard? They don't need one. Devin Booker. Yeah. And, um, and, and I don't well, necessarily I have a like- problem with that. I actually like Jordan Goodwin, the guy they got from Washington to trade too. I think he's a useful guy that they could end up being in their rotation next season. I, I don't think ball handling is the problem. I think they they got three stars on their team who've combined to miss an average of 30 games a year the past yeah. two years that have all, including Devin Booker, by the way, all have now fairly significant history of muscle issues, which tend to recur over and over again. And they have no depth. And again, the key point is here, you can sign all these mediocre players for extra money if you want. They can't aggregate them together after next year to make trades, and they have no picks to put in any trades. So it's literally like, yeah, we've got, we can call you, we got a player. Do you want to give us a player for that player? Like, they're just so hamstrung with what they've Mm -hmm. got. And maybe they'll strike rich on some minimum guys because- they're in an attractive market. They do have a good team. Like there are guys that, you know, those are all guys that are well-liked around the league. Durant, Booker, yeah. and Beal. I would think guys will want to play there. But we saw a couple of years ago, and they're, they're going to be, I think, better than the Lakers were with Russ. But this is more or less the exact same blueprint that the Lakers had with that team. And that team didn't make the playoffs. Now, I think, I don't think the Suns are going to miss the playoffs. But if you told me that, Next spring, we're talking about the Suns in the play-in tournament. 
because their guys all play 55 ish, 60 games and miss a ton of time. And they finish with the eight seed. Like, I think that's possible here, like fairly possible with the way this well, is set up. And then the other thing is the DeAndre Ayton situation, which has been weird for two years now. And yes, the relationship with Monty Williams was not going to be repaired and that no longer is a concern. But as, as, as we've said many times, it's not like Monty Williams was out on an island with his frustrations with DeAndre Ayton. Uh, you know, I think that permeated throughout the locker room and much of the organization is fair to say. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've heard a lot about Aiton from his critics uh, inside that franchise is that, look, when he when he doesn't feel like he's a primary offensive option, he mopes, he pouts, and he loafs a lot on the defensive end. Well, Newsflash, he's not the primary. DeAndre, I was going to say, he ain't going to be a, a, an option, let alone a primary yeah, he, option. He, he's, he's now, <laughs> you know, and we'll see how much those guys are all on the floor together. But obviously, you know, you look at this roster, he is the distant number four guy in terms of who's going to get touches. Like DeAndre Aiden wanting post-ups, they're going to look at him and be like, are you kidding me? And then it gets to a point where, okay, you know, I'm not touching it. Why, why should I set a good screen? Why should I run the floor hard? Why should I, you know, work my ass off defensively to anchor this defense and do all the dirty work? I think you're going to be dealing with that kind of stuff. And so, you know, Frank Vogel was smart to pump up Aiton in his introductory press conference, especially if he's told, you know, coming in like, hey, man, uh, you know, we're not finding the market that we hope to find for this guy. Um, But that's going to be, I think, a major, major challenge in Aiton's you know, I actually thought he handled the situation pretty well last year. Um, I thought that watching uh, some of the people who were a lot closer to the situation were living with it d- didn't always agree with that opinion of mine. Well, you you know, you can't make the case that you know their two their two biggest rivals in the West or two of their biggest rivals have great bigs, Jokic and 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 uh, Anthony Davis. Yeah, and. So the two teams in the West finals. Yeah. So that's, that's a, you know, that's definitely a concern. So look, I'm not defending that position. I'm not saying it's definitely going to work. I'm just telling you. Well, it's what they have to do. They they don't have a choice. Like if you're going to make this trade, you have to say, we're going to spend whatever we can, because that's the only path they have going forward. I just will be very curious to see where we sit in a couple of years when they're staring at, a $500 million payroll and tax bill, which is like where this thing is headed, you know, and like, like the, uh, like the the inflation adjusted nets were. (laughs) Well, and again, like, you know, Mikhail Prokhorov did that for a couple of years and then was like, eh, might be done spending this money. The one, the one issue I have with, with that comp is Devin Booker is a superstar who is early in his prime. Right. So that this is not Paul Pierce. This is not Kevin Garnett. Um, I guess you could say Darren Williams was was relatively early. I mean, Darren Williams at the same point. Yeah. I mean, he was at the same point in his career. Obviously, Devin Booker has surpassed him by that point. Eagles, ankles, and ears messed him up. I'm just saying, strictly from the standpoint of they were going hog wild, spending money. And all the messaging was we're going to keep spending money. Yeah, these picks go out till 2017, 2018. That doesn't matter because we're going to be spending money 
for the rest of the decade. We're going to spend our way out of these problems. And within two years, everybody was fired, including our guy, Bobby Marks, as he'll joke about. And they were cutting payroll left and right. And they had the worst team in the league. And I'm not saying that's what's going to happen here, but it's just, you know, it's easy to say today we're going to spend and spend and spend. But if the results don't follow, we'll see how long Matt Ishbia wants to just be throwing good money after bad. And ironically, I think the Nets are probably a a team that was very happy about today's trade because what you have now, and it was pretty much this way when they did the Durant trade, but it's even more. It's like, hey, all in on a very short window. And those picks that they gave up to get KD extend beyond that very short window. And so, you know, this might be the Suns go all in for you know, whatever it is, three or four years and then blow it up and it, and they go through a total rebuild. But the problem with that is they can't really afford to blow it up and go through a total rebuild when the Nets have the draft capital. Well, and that's what happened with Boston and they ended up with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And look, maybe the... And that's what happened with the Nets when, you know, they gave up all their picks to get Harden. Right, exactly. And look, maybe they'll win titles this year. Up. They're staying kind of, they're, they're scrapping to stay... Middle of the pack because there's no yeah. benefit to blowing it up for them. Yeah and, yeah, and look, maybe they'll win. I mean, it's a ton of talent, but let's see if they're all on the court. Let's see how it goes. But it, it's, I know it's easy to look at the names and go, oh man, Suns just got an absolute steal here. But there's a whole lot of downside risk. Mm-hmm. On it, it's it says a lot about wa- about Washington. Michael Winger coming in and making his first order of business to trade the franchise player for anything he could get. Cause as I yeah. said, and it, I mean, it's, it's now just obvious the main asset in trading Bradley Beal was getting out of that contract. That's the 100%. main asset. I, I, the other thing is I'm thing not sure. And, and restarting. I'm not sure that the Suns really had any other competition here. I'm not sure there was any, Ironclad other bids. I it know certainly that, um, seemed like the Heat's uh, efforts were half-hearted. Well, I don't know exactly. I just don't think that the. I think that the Heat had a lot of things to consider. The Heat would never. Uh, I. I don't think. I don't think the Heat could. Honestly, feel like they should breach the second apron. On this, type I wouldn't of even. Trade. I wouldn't even say it's that. I would say while Damian Lillard is a possibility. And I'm not saying he's getting traded, but mm-hmm. while while that's a possibility, you can't you can't cross off that door, right? Whereas Phoenix doesn't have other options. Like you said, we're talking about a guy they were talking about waving. We're talking about Landry Shamit. We're talking about second round picks. Like they basically took all their stuff and combined it into one guy. But Miami has options. So they weren't going to close mm-hmm. off all their other options to do this deal now. So if a deal was you going to happen they, for the, the draft, it made sense that it would be somewhere else. You think the Heat would close up options to, uh, to do Dame Lillard? I think that, I mean, I think that that would be a much different conversation. I think that'd be an awfully, awfully good fit. If I you agree. got Dame, Jimmy, and Bam, and still some quality role players. That that would be a look, different conversation. The, the Heat went to the finals and then weren't able to really put up a fight in the finals because they didn't, they just didn't have enough offensive firepower. 
<laughs> Damian Lillard would pack a lot of offensive firepower into that mix. Well, and it's why the theoretical fit of Bradley Beal made a lot of sense there. Because if Bradley mm. Beal, the all NBA 30 point a game scorer showed up in Miami, then like, yeah, he's literally the guy that they needed in that series. But, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts in that scenario, too, that are just not that made mm. it a lot more complicated. And I just don't I never thought that if this trade happened before the draft that Miami would be involved because I just, I just think had a to big factor, a big factor with this trade wasn't just that Bradley had only played 90 games over the last two years. The Wizards weren't playing for a whole ton. Right. It's that that no trade clause can travel. And according yes. to Woj, it has. And so the Heat are a team that is always hunting and always uh, looking for big moves. And I just think you, you're weighing them down. I think, I mean, having that guy on that roster when there are other options is, is difficult. Um, well, and I've talked to a lot of teams about the second apron and about the new CBA. And the, the general consensus is that if you're going to have three guys and they've got Jimmy and Bam, you're going to spend money on a third guy. You better be damn sure that you are all in on the third guy. Because in this new system, it's very unforgiving. You can have two guys, like say like Boston, right? Or to a lesser extent, Denver. You have three guys on the fun max in Denver. You can have a couple guys on maxes and then a lot of depth around them. But if you go to that three-star model in the new system, you're basically going to be down to the studs around. And so you got to really make sure that you feel great about all three of those guys when you decide to do that. You know, that, that, that calculus is just this, a lot different than I, it used I'm, to be. When he's healthy, Bradley Beal is a very good player. He is a professional scorer. He can sure. handle the ball. Um, he's he brings a lot to the table, and I've I've been trying to say this for the last week. He, you have to separate Bradley Beal the player from Bradley Beal the contract. Right. Uh, well, we also are Bradley not Beale sure is if that thirty six player in the league. I, look, I asked a few people around the league, and I didn't. You guys didn't push back on that. I know people around you, the league didn't push me, back. He on sent it. me the you, list. He sent. Me he list. sent. He honestly, you, he sent us a list, and I looked at the list. And I'm like, now look, there were in no a year. There, I, I wasn't like saying you were a fool for the like. The, yeah, it was. Look, in it was a year, tough to dispute. In a year, he could be in the top twenty again because he's that got that right. kind of talent. But we're coming off two years where he was good, but he like looked like Tyler Hero. Like that's yeah. not a guy you're paying two hundred million dollars. Well, and, and then you you're paying a guy you know fifty ish million a year to be your number three guy. That's tough math. Yeah, I mean it's that's why you really got to be if you have the three star model in this new economic system the league is in. You've got to really be all in on that group because that's basically I what mean, your team's going to be. The, this roster is thin enough to where they they might need Ishbia to to bust out some <laughs> of that Michigan State. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> skill and you know, come in and give him a couple points here and there. I mean, he did get, he did I'll tell you what, hey, the guy can get loose, last year, so he can, hey, he can, he'll scrap for a loose ball. That we know, <laughs> we have seen that. Yeah, he can play keep away too. I've seen it. He's got a sleight of hand. <laughs> More hoop collective podcast after this. Baseball is back. Get your ballpark on with tickets from Vivid Seats or enjoy hockey and baseball in all their glory with courtside seats. Whoever you're rooting for, there's nothing like the thrill of seeing your favorite team live. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. 
That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Let's talk about Chris Paul real quick. So, by the way, Chris Paul had a pretty darn good day. I'm going to tell you why. Uh, he was looking at getting waived and making 15 million, 15.8, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yep. And as part of this deal, I believe he's getting the full thing guaranteed. Uh, and so he just it has paid to be most million. of it just to make the trade happen. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, when they included Goodwin in the deal, um, it made it pretty clear he was getting the full thing guaranteed. Yeah. So um, that was a good day. $15 million afternoon. That was pretty good. I would say. Um, so, okay. Um, yeah, I don't think he's going to play for the Wizards. But how he doesn't play for the Wizards is some mystery. Um, mm-hmm. I would be surprised if the Wizards straight out waived him. Um, I would try to get him to take a buyout. Um, I wouldn't even want him to take a buyout personally. Why? Why? I mean, for me, if you have teams interested in trading for him, why not? Trade I'd guy? also okay. just not walk away from a thirty million dollar expiring contract when I'm starting a rebuild. To I mean, you could turn that into a lot of stuff. Exactly. So that's the question. Do you know? I'm sure Chris Paul is going to want to be let go now. He must be a free agent July first. Or I mean, or trade the wizard. To... Yeah. If I'm the Wizards, I say, hey, Chris, we just gave you an extra $50 million. Like, we're going to try to trade you. If not, cool. you're going to be a wizard. Got it. Cool. Nice. That's your negotiating position. My negotiating position is Chris Paul is. I'm never going to even show up in Washington. That, that's fine. So <laughs> You can say it all. Um, I'm not worried about that either. Okay. So let's just ask this. Is there anybody who would seriously want to trade him to play him? Number one. I mean, there's, there's I, two teams, both where he lives. Well, I don't think yeah. the Lakers are trading for him. Hey, can I interest you in the D'Angelo Russell sign and trade? Yeah, <laughs> Short I conversation. I can't see, <laughs> no, you I can't see the Wizards doing that. <laughs> I mean, the Clippers obviously have lots of salaries they could trade for Chris Paul. They've got a ton of guys making 10 to 15 to $20 million. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we were talking about before the pod. You just go down the list. Norman Powell, Marcus Morris, Nick Batum, Robert Covington, Avika Zubach, Terrence Mann, all making between eighteen Eric and Gordon, ten. Who's, they're not trading a lot of those guys. They are not. No, but I'm just saying. They, I'm just saying they have a lot no, of but, guys. But but to put Gordon can trade. be a twenty-one million dollar expiring contract. Morris, I think, is like seventeen-ish. He's seventeen. Um, Batum uh, and Covington I, are both at eleven-seven. Yeah, I don't think so. I think Batum is on. We don't want to trade him. List. I think the rest of those guys, they they'd be more than happy to. to including a deal to kind of make the salary work. And then, you know, look, obviously Michael Winger just came from the Clippers. Uh, does he like Bones Highland? Does he like Jason Preston? Does he like Brandon Boston? I, I don't know the answer to that. You know, maybe 
some, you know, basically veteran expiring salary filler and, and, you know, one or two of those young guys is enough to get it done. I don't, I'll I tell don't you what, know. I would take Terrence Mann if they're not, they didn't use yeah, him much last just, year. I'd, I'd be I, glad to have Terrence Mann. Yeah, I found the Clippers <laughs> that ain't, that's not a guy I'm giving up. You would never think, play but that's, but that's <laughs> the thing. I just don't, I don't really get, I don't really get a Chris Paul trade for them unless they're, it just it, it's a it'd be a weird fit for well, here's the other, here's the other thing and for the Clippers. Let's say Chris Paul gets free. Mm-hmm. We know if he gets free, he wants to play in L.A. That's not any insight. If you're the Clippers, and by the way, I think there's been a big assumption that Chris Paul is going to go play for the Lakers. I would not have that assumption that that mm-hmm. the Clippers are not equal standing, if not higher standing, in yep. that battle. Okay, so let me ask you this: If you're the Clippers and you got Russell Westbrook sitting there, free agent. You got Chris Paul. Let's just let's just say he gets bought out. Let's say he's free. And are are we assuming that Russ would sign for I forget the exact number, but the relatively small number that they're going to do? Is the question going to be which player would you rather have? In that yeah. case, let's just say the money's the same, just to make it easier. I'd rather have Chris Paul because I think Russ w- is better if one of their main guys goes down. But if one of the main guy goes down, like they don't have a chance to win a championship. Like if you need Russ to be the high usage guy, you don't have a chance to to make a deep playoff run. Yeah, we like saw what Russ they were played last well year. in the playoffs last year, and they got spanked pretty easily. Yeah. Um, where what they need is a guy to run the damn team to, to yeah. get them into their stuff, get them in their sets, and then be Russ able to plays play every off the game. ball. Cool. Yeah, Russ plays every game, but I, I think to Tim's point, if you're looking at again, sort of like Phoenix, right? If you're the Clippers, you're trying to win a title. You're trying the high end outcome is what you're trying right. to do on the variance scale, right? Chris is probably going to get hurt and miss time, just like the other guys are probably going to get hurt and miss yeah. time. So obviously on the probability scale, you're probably not going to have your guys healthy and you're probably not going to win. However, if you have everybody healthy, it's hard to argue that Chris Paul's on a much better fit as a complimentary mm-hmm. player with their stars than Russ at this point. Now, Russ has proven he could help a team get to a certain level. And like, if you're a team that's trying to win 45 games, Russ can come in and play heavy minutes and be durable. And if you have a team where he has the ball in his hands with some shooting around him, like I've said a few times, if the Nets went and signed Russ, he'd be a great fit there. Have all that shooting around him. Let him run pick and rolls with Nick Claxton. Like that's a team that would be feisty and competitive and Russ would be really good for them. But if you're trying to get past the second round of the playoffs, I, I would rather have Chris. I agree, despite the fact that obviously Chris Paul's durability is a constant issue come playoff time. I'd say Chris Paul's durability is a constant issue come playoff time, and so is Russell Westbrook's inefficiency. Right. I would make sure that Terrence Mann got minutes. <laughs> I think that's well, yeah, a great so would idea. I. I mean, that's a different that's a different conversation. I would I would yeah. like to see that as well. Okay, a lot more to come on this. Um, the first of what I think will be quite a bit of movement. I'm not sure we're going to see. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Dame. So obviously he would be a bigger name. We may not see a bigger name change hands, but we're going to see, I think, a lot of action. How much um, better of an idea on Dame do you think we'll have at the end of draft night? Look, I think I think we're going to know a lot about where things are headed based off what happens with that third pick. It feels like so, a game of chicken right now. Well, it's a game. Well, one of the things going on, the Charlotte situation is odd. Mm-hmm. It's yes. weird how I pronounced that. Odd. I didn't mean to odd. say it. I sounded like I was 
crazy <laughs> odd because Michael Jordan has sold the team, but is still in control of the team from what mm. I understand. Secondly, they are very clearly either debating heavily on Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller, or at least presenting that they're mm. debating heavily because they're bringing them both back in yeah. to work out in front of Jordan. Now, let me just say with all due respect that the Hornets are not a team known for smoke screen and strategy and strategy maneuvering. So maybe so they're, they're doing this for talent evaluation. <laughs> you know, they, I don't, they have their moments, but <laughs> they're not known for being shrewd off season operators. Am I, am I, can I say that? Is that okay? You can say that you're being very polite. Okay. So I don't like, so some people are like, well, maybe they're trying to elicit a higher offer by, you know, by making some mystery, uh, you know, and some teams who think they can get the third pick, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm talking about the Pelicans basically, but there right. could be other teams out there. I just don't know if that's happening. So really it's very difficult to know if you're Portland, who you've got there to offer and some, te- so s- some teams offer is going to be contingent on what Charlotte does. So, right. I just think it's going to be hard to really know before draft day, maybe even before draft night, to be honest. That's why I said after draft night. Yeah. And after draft night, if Portland goes ahead and makes their pick and is, you know, hey, you know, we've got this great young core now. We've got uh, Shade and Sharp. We've got, you know, whoever they end up with at three, whether it's it's Miller or, or Scoot Henderson. We've got, uh, you know, Simons. We've got these young, you know, under 21 team, boy, we'd really have a chance to to do some damage. Then it becomes a game of chicken with Dame. Dame, are you going to ask out? And, you know, it kind of feels like they're waiting. Like, Dame, we heard what you said. We're not doing it, but we're not trading you unless you ask out. That's kind of what it feels like this thing's heading towards. It, it feels like either Thursday night when we pod after the draft, we're going to be talking about Portland Adden, a veteran player, mm-hmm. or about – now what with Dame? And like, there's really not an in, but I don't see some middle path in between. Like, cause if we, we all know if they don't trade that pick and they draft a player, whoever it is, whether it's Scoot or Brandon Miller or somebody else, it's going to be, well, now what? And it's yeah. going to be, well, now what? Until the other shoe drops, whether that's they, somebody, you know, Dame says I'm not getting traded or the team says it, or they trade him or whatever, but there's going to need to be a answer if they come out of that with just another young guy. And look, Washington is the team in the East that you know we're two or three years into saying they're stuck in purgatory. They need to just go ahead, hit the reset button, blow this thing up, and start basically start over again. Let's be honest, Portland's been that team in the West, and they've kind of done that the last couple of years just because they wanted to compete for a playoff spot, weren't good enough to do it, and then tanked hard for the last whatever, you know, 25, 30 games or whatever it was of the regular season the last couple of years. Well, at a certain point, like, <laughs> dude, if you're doing that two straight years, maybe you just need to go ahead and, like, commit to a rebuild. Well, I just think of Portland actions, words, situation. Like, when Portland got all feisty when people accused them of tanking after the All-Star break, we are oh, yeah. not. <laughs> and And then – uh, you know, they go into blatant, blatant tank mode and it worked, by the way, they're holding the third pick. Congratulations. Right. It worked. And then, um, then you've got this situation where they're on the record, like, Oh yeah, we're going to go. We're going all out. We're right with Dame. 
And like I said, I said on the pod last week and I got aggregated. I have been hearing about aggressive trade conversations from Portland where yeah. they have, you know, been, you know, trying to acquire multiple veterans in the same trade. Um, like, you know, and not like pie in the sky, like no way this is going to work. Like they're trying. So like, you know, I'm not accusing them of, of not, but um, it's, it's still pretty, it's still pretty, uh, it's still a, a tough sell. Um, well, look, by the way, with the third pick, they could do what Memphis did if they go that way. Like if you turn around and trade, let's say they draft Scoot. Let's say Brandon Miller goes second, Scoot goes third. Mm-hmm. You trade Dame this summer for a bunch of stuff. Like you start building that thing around Scoot and some of these young guys. Like yeah. I'm not saying they're going to turn into the Grizzlies, but like the Memphis had the grit and grind era, which is a fantastic run, just like this Dame run. And they traded Conley, they traded Gasol, and they had a short dip, and then they immediately went back up. Like it is possible. They've already had the dip. Well, that's what I mean. And like they've got some, and they've gotten some picks out of it. And like, you know, like it could, it's not like they're, obviously, Dane's been the best player the franchise ever had. I'm not saying it should be easy Mm. to send him out the door. Uh, I'm just talking about overall career. I'm not, I'm not getting, I'm not saying he's better than Bill Walton. One more thing. Blazer, Clyde, whatever. One more thing for the Blazers fans. I've heard about them trying to trade number 23. I think they've got the 23rd yeah, pick, the Knicks 22nd pick. 22nd or 23rd pick. Yeah. Uh, I've, heard the, I've heard a couple of uh, veteran, veteran players they've tried to get with that as well. So, I mean, yeah. their actions kind of. I mean, like the Josh Hart type? Uh, not in my opinion. Not what I heard. <laughs> but, like, guys who can you can put in the rotation and play right away, mm-hmm. who which you may not be able to do with the 23rd pick. So, not, not teenagers, put it that way. Right. Uh, if you ask me, would I rather have Josh Hart? I'd rather, I'd rather have Josh Hart. But you know, I'm just saying, like, I'm not calling the Blazers liars. I, I, I continue to hear. No, we'll just we'll see what happens on Thursday. No, I, I listen. I believe that their front office is doing due diligence, but that due diligence includes the possibility of okay, hey, if we're not able to execute win now type of moves that make sense what's the other path? And the other path is pretty damn yeah. obvious. Yeah. It just feels okay. like a crossroads one way or the other. All right. It's time for trivia. Trivia is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA 23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel any time. Tim Bontemps, go ahead. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. And now to present today's trivia question, the whiz of the quiz, 
Tim Bontemps. Two Bradley Beal questions. Uh, Udonis Haslam is retired, and now Beal's been traded. There are four. So who are the four active players who've been with their teams the longest now that Beal's been traded? Dame is one of them. Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry. There's the other three of them. That's why there's two questions, because I thought that one would be easy. But Ooh, yeah, that, one's, that one's been all over the place. Like, yes. No. Uh, the other one that I thought was interesting is Beal is one of 10 players ever to have a no trade clause. Who are the other nine? Dirk. Dirk is one of them. Kobe. Uh, didn't Gar- Kobe. Kobe is one of them. Garnett is Gar- one of them. Okay. Uh, Garnett. Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo is one of them. Five left. Five or six. Yeah, you five left. Five left. Okay. Did, um, I, did LeBron have one? LeBron had one. Yep. Okay. But when he came back the second time, I believe, is yeah. when he had it. All right. Four left. Can you give us when did they start happening? Like, what are we, I mean? They're all within the last 30 years. Oh, Jordan? Jordan never had one. LeBron, right. KG, Carmelo, Dirk, Kobe. I don't want to see Bradley Beal. There's four other guys. All right. Hint time. One of them played with LeBron twice. Dwayne Wade? Dwayne Wade. Okay. What, uh, he had wow. wow. Okay. Who, the Heat? Yeah, it must have been the Heat. The other, three, the other three are all in the Hall of Fame, all-time great point guard, and two all-time great bigs. Shaq? Nope. If I say what teams there are, we'll just immediately a, end it. So I was trying to have a, a little team? bit of suspense. Nope. Jason Robinson. Same time frame, though. Oh, Not Duncan must have had one. Tim Duncan had one. Jason Kidd. hit to another, the, another one of the two guys who had one. Tony Parker? Well, same, closer, <laughs> same team. <laughs> you said all point guard. Two all-time great bigs and an all-time great point guard. So you got oh, one Duncan all-time Robinson. great big. David Robinson's yeah. the other. And then there's an all-time great point guard who had it also. Gary same Payton? Era, same era, but not him. Basically same the only era. other 90s point guard you haven't mentioned. Stockton? John Stockton is the other one. Oh, wow. It's just the idea of Stockton getting traded is so preposterous. Right. It's just a very it's a it's an interesting list of guys. All right. Speaking of great point guards, John Morant got suspended twenty five games on Friday. I think we should just touch on it briefly. A lot has been said about it already. It was exactly the number I thought it would come in at. I was not surprised at all. I've seen various reactions on either side. I haven't heard a compelling reason for it not to be in this ballpark. I don't know if either of you have that. Same here. Uh, the thing about it is, is that any commentary on the severity of the, the offense itself doesn't take into account that it was the second offense yeah. of the almost the exact same nature within two months. And, and, and we say the second, let's be honest, the NBA easily could have suspended him for some of these things that happened before, primarily the whole thing that went down when the Pacers were in Memphis last year. That was absolutely a suspendable situation uh, that the league did their best to sweep under the rug for them. So what they couldn't here, prove anything. So they, they well, no, they, said, they, okay. they, they proved plenty. They couldn't prove that there was a gun, but when you have that kind of a situation with a post-game confrontation with a laser being pointed out of the SUV that a franchise player is riding in, they could have found reason for a suspension with that. Let's not, let's not sugarcoat that. Okay. They swept that under the rug. They went, they did go soft on the other one. It was an eight game suspension after he'd already missed six games. So they docked him six games pay plus two more. Had the conversation with Ja. Ja said everything Adam Silver wanted him to hear. And then went literally two weekends after the playoffs were over, 
<laughs> did a, something very similar again. And that was after the previous weekend. He was promoting parties in Atlanta clubs, drinking Casamigos from the bottle for the world to see. So obviously he wasn't taking anything that he said seriously or anything that was said to him seriously. And Adam Silver was embarrassed and basically said, okay, you want to make me look like a fool? You're going to, you know, you're going to sit out for a while. And it's 25 games. And this is the part I think the NBA Players Association has a big problem with. It's at least 25 games, but it's indefinite because there are these conditions and they're pretty vague conditions that have to be met. I think the Players Association really specifically has a problem for that. But essentially what I read that as is Adam Silver saying, dude, you're not just going to go hang out in Florida for a few days and think everything's cool again. Like you have to actually do some things that are directly uh, addressing these issues that we're so concerned about. Couldn't say it better myself. Yeah. I mean, it's like we talk about a bunch on the pod. It's actions over words. So let's see where the actions go from here. I just hope that we're not talking about this anymore because John Morant is an incredible player to watch and Memphis is super fun. And I hope we get back to talking about that. So yeah, I hope that down the road, that's what we're talking about with Memphis and not this stuff. And and one thing I will say, uh, I have heard indirectly that Ja and people close to Ja, perhaps people formerly close to Ja, have this feeling that the NBA is out to get them. The media is out to get them. And I just say, are you damn stupid? Why the why, like? Do you not think the NBA desperately wants this ridiculously entertaining young American superstar to succeed? Like John ja Morant being awesome and and fun as hell to watch is great for the league. They desperately want him on the floor for not just next season, but for twelve years to come. Like, do you think just? Let's take ESPN. Do you think ESPN doesn't want John Morant playing for the Memphis Grizzlies? Like you, you don't think ESPN as a like as a business would want John Morant on the floor when the Grizzlies are on television, or would want to be able to put John Morant's highlights out on on you know Instagram or ESPN.com? Like, dude, anybody who has a stake in the NBA wants this guy to succeed. Well, the thing that, about the Players Association statement was that it says that Ja has taken responsibility. Okay. I don't think he has. He says he's taking responsibility. No, his his prepared statements say that. That's right. So that's you know that's a. I think that's what the NBA is actually looking for. Right. Well, it's actions. It's actions over words. It's the yeah. motto of the pod. Once and again, you know, Ja, there's been. We're now up to, I think, three prepared statements. They've all been variations of the same thing. I don't, you know, whatever. He did say after game six, when they were smoked in LA, he, you know, he did say basically that the biggest, the Grizzlies' biggest issue last season was his off court issues were distractions. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. And he's got to clean that up. And at the time, I was like, man, it is encouraging that he said that. He acknowledged the obvious, did show some accountability, and then he's in Atlanta partying in the clubs the next weekend, and then he's flashing a gun on IG the weekend after I don't have that. a problem with him partying in clubs in the offseason. I, mean, I, I do. And and look, not that I have a problem with a young guy having a good time, but 
understand what, and he, he expressed understanding of the situation he had put himself in. You don't need to be all high profile chugging tequila well, for the world to see no, the next I mean, weekend. Yeah. I'm sorry. You that's don't true. like that's understand true. perception is part of, especially like, look, part of the deal when you're getting this $194 million contract and the signature shoe deal, like your image matters. So for him, yeah, I do have a problem with it because it's the exact wrong thing to do when you're trying to repair your image. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, the Grizzlies have some business they got to take care of this summer. Primarily, they got to take care. They got to get Desmond Bain uh, locked into a contract. Um, I think that's the I easiest would, thing to have on their plate this summer. I wouldn't take less than the max if I were him. Well, uh, I'd say this. He sure ain't taking anything less than what Jordan Poole and Tyler Hero are making. I mean, that is the absolute I ain't, floor. I ain't, I ain't taking less than the max if I'm Desmond Bain. You probably, hey, I, I'm not going to sit and argue against that. I, the fun I max would have, these. I think he's clearly better than those guys. Yeah, I agree. The fun max is our friend Wendy says. They got to replace Dylan Brooks in the starting lineup. Say what you want. The guy's been a, a starter on a playoff team last few they, years. You know, there's, they should See what the market might be for Dylan Brooks in a sign and trade. They should not close the door on doing business with him. Maybe he's gone or whatever. But oh, I don't think I think Dylan Brooks has door. some value out there. They just said he's not going to be on. He's just not going to be on their team. I'm not exactly. sure if they can turn him into something else. They will. Yeah. So I wouldn't rule. I wouldn't rule something like that out. Just, you know. Yeah. Just a lot going on there. A lot of a lot of interesting decisions. And they have to prepare their team for not having their best player for 25 games. Well, I know that they that part that part I think is the easy part because they've got a really good player in Tyus Jones to just roll out there with and they're gonna yeah. be good. Yeah, but they're gonna all they also may need to get a little bit more shooting because they may need to generate some more points. Well, they um, but they did they they did get more shooting last year. I know Luke Luke Kennard, I know, but they need yeah. they now, might they, need a they, bit... they need Bain to come back strong from offseason toe surgery. Yeah, you know. And I don't know, is Kennard going to – maybe he's your starter right now. I think they'll That's be just fine for the 25 games without Ja, assuming it's 25 games. I, th- I think then, they'll at least keep their heads above water. But Well, remember, they don't have Jones, Brandon Clark either. Brandon Clark's right. going to be out for sure, probably the majority well, of the season. But Tyus Jones, whole- Desmond Bain, Luke – Luke Kennard, Jaron Jackson, Stephen Adams is still a pretty damn good. Fox. I agree, but they have, you know, they have plus they have picks. Yeah, That's and the hope you. is that Stephen Adams, the expectation I would, I guess they announced that Stephen Adams would be back for the uh, start of training camp, but they also announced that it was a three to five week injury at first, and that kept right. getting pushed back. And, and that's back obviously and back. that's obviously another problem. Just, and and listen, when they were without him, you know, when you start looking at tradable contracts, I think. Stephen Adams' name would come up pretty early in that conversation too. True, that's absolutely true. I'd have Stephen Adams on my team. I'd put Stephen Adams up against Jokic. It's not the worst option in the world. I'm not <laughs> saying it would shut him down, but it's not the worst option in the world. Uh, okay, thanks for listening to Hoop Collective Podcast. Thank you, Mr. Bon Temps and Mr. McMahon. Thank you, Jackson, our producer. We'll be talking to you later this week. Um, we have uh, what some draft coverage uh, later this week. Hopefully, if there's no more major trades, we'll have a draft preview that we're going to post on Wednesday. And then these gents will be back and we'll record late Thursday night. No idea what the league's going to look like the next time we got we talk, guys. The possibility that time these of guys, year. These, there's a possibility these guys will be. We have an interview scheduled on Tuesday. I don't know if it's going to happen. You know, I don't normally have guests, but we had a couple of guests 
during the playoffs. And now there's now everybody wants to come on. I mean, that's geez, true. We're just so popular that is these true. days, fellas. So we, I, I, we, you know, just you know, we have a guest scheduled for Tuesday that I hope he makes it. But he's Mr. not Bontemps. confident enough to tell you who it is. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. Hey, we correct. had a good. We said had it better. We had a good run with that during the finals. We'll see if it continues. This, I, I, if this guest happens, it'll, it'll be, a, it'll be stunning to me from on multiple levels. So, hey, come back Wednesday and see what, see happens. what happens. <laughs> All right, talk to you later. Adios, amigos.